0: Greetings, everyone. Welcome to our Yohate Negosuna, the Road to Your Name podcast, focusing on Haudenosaunee cultural topics recorded on Haudenosaunee territory in the summer and fall of 2020. These podcasts are produced by Aboriginal Legal Services. My name is Lisa Venevery from the Mohawk Nation and Wolf Clan. I'm the coordinator of the Yohate Negasuna Road to Your Name program. Welcome to the Ohate Negasuna podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our website, www.aboriginallegal.ca and if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation you can click on the word donate located on the bottom of the page of our website you can also visit us on facebook at aboriginal legal services toronto canada this episode we're going to speak with Denia knowledge keeper Dehahande from Six Nations of the Grand River today we'll be talking about we are stardust and we'll talk about our original instructions given to us as Haudenosaunee people. And then we'll also talk about the Thanksgiving address, the Ohante Galiwadequa. So we have a lot to cover in this episode. Let's get started. When we talk about star stories, cosmology, astronomy, the stars, as Haudenosaunee people, we relate to it as stories. The physicists relate to it as mathematics. Um, there's, there's a variety of ways when we look up into the sky that we we relate to what we see. And I just wanted to read a little bit from this book, Native Science by Gregory Cajet. Cosmologies are the deep-rooted, symbolically expressed understandings of humanness. They predate all other human structured expressions, including religion and social and political orders. The first indigenous cosmologies were based on the perception that the spirit of the universe resides in the earth and things of the earth, including human beings. Because of this perception, these people remained equally open to all possibilities that might manifest through the natural world. In turn, perceptions of the cycles of nature, behavior of animals, growth of plants, and interdependence of all things in nature determined culture. That is ethics, morals, religious expression, politics, and economics. In short, they came to know and express natural democracy. Welcome, Dejahande.
1: Thank you, Lisa. It's wonderful being here. Um, my talk today is going to be based on the things that I've learned from language. And being um, a fairly new speaker, uh, about a little over 25 years now, um, Every time I look at words, it it brings new revelations. And so today I'd like to talk about we are stardust. And so I'm going to start out with the word that we talk about um, from the sky world. And it's, which is, if it's paraphrased, it would be something like a great intelligent energy located in the cosmos, which was always in existence and wished to expand its knowledge. And so if we look at the word, there's two words here, and the word and the other thing about our language is it's a polysynthetic synthetic language, which means it's made up of bits and pieces of information. And so, I'd like to talk about the first word in in this in this two word description of the sky world and the KA is the first part of it and that's the pronoun. And it's a female pronoun which denotes strength and it also tells us that this has been whatever follows it has been modified from something totally natural. The next part of the word is the sat part, and that talks about energy, a force, a natural force. The um, S-E-R after that is really a nominalizer, which means it's a noun maker. So everything in front of it is now being made into a verb. The A that follows that is a joiner. And the Goa after it, K-O-W-A, means it's great. And it's, it's an immeasurable, endless um, quantifier. And so if you put it all together, it says there's this great immeasurable, um, uh, endless greatness that is made of energy. And it's made with a lot of force in it. And it's modified from something natural. And it has this female quality to it, which denotes strength. So that's that one word. The second word is sauyera And the S-A is uh, repetitive, which means it's the same. It's exact or exactly precise. So the next part of the word is oyeram, which means it's being of such and such by birth and being in motion and being naturally so. So this second word says that all of this is continual. It doesn't have a beginning and it doesn't have an ending. It was always there. It's kind of like describing how the scientists talk about the Big Bang. It's as if no one was there to hear it, so I don't know how they came up with bang. So (laughs) um, um, I want to just say that when we use our language, when we use our original language, of this energy that we talk about is described as a living entity with great intelligence. And further to this description of this word, to put it in, in paragraph form, so this energy wished to expand its knowledge and bring into existence that which we know exists on earth and in the cosmos. Everything that would ever exist was in, initially created by ideas in the form of thought or spirit world. So this uh, non-physical plane of awareness is eternal and benevolent, and this energy may be called upon any time there is a need. So the thought forms also brings this spirit energy together with matter in the shape of physical entities. Instructions were given to all forms of creation, including human beings, and everything was given a purpose. So to call these ideas into manifestation, one only needs to call to this great mystery with a grateful heart, and it will bring the needed ideas into physical reality. And what we know about the stars, um, not being an astrologer myself, I only uh, listen to people who, who, who know more about it than I do. And in my layman's way of understanding it, I will put that intelligence this way. When a star forms, there's nothing, you, can, you don't see anything, because all the molecules are in like a gaseous state. So they're like not even a cloud. but each of these molecules recognizes that it has a commonness with another molecule and so all of these molecules start drawing themselves towards each other until a time where they get so close together they become visible and so then it becomes what we understand as being matter so it's not just energy that we're talking about it's two kinds of energy energy as pure invisibleness if you will and energy as matter so we talk about well, i'm going back to language here now and i'm going to talk about the star itself and how we talk about that star so the word for star is *odisto*. And I want you to try to remember that or even maybe if you could visualize what it, what you see when you look up into a beautiful, clear night where even the Milky Way is visible. So see a star. And that's good That O in our language is something natural. All our words that have a natural element to it, a pure natural element, original natural element, starts with an O. The part is the uh, root word, I guess, if you want to call it that, is a spark or a flame. And it can also be the spot that we see. And the O at the end is, um, is a vowel and all of those all our words have vowels at the end, and it tells us how it exists. And then we also have a little um, longer word, as as in odistokwa, and now it starts to get a little bit more interesting. It starts with um, an O again, which is natural, and we have the Zist is the same, it's, just, it's the spark and the flame and the spot. And then it's followed by an aspirate. And all that is, is just a, It's an apathetic um, sound, to, so that helps the word flow. The KW at the end of it is a reversive feature, meaning on-doing. So from our language, We understand that the star had, before it was a star, had the intelligence to bring its molecules together, form a solid thing that we can see, and the KW can be looked at a number of ways. It can be looked at as a bundle, and it it also has a KW in it, which is a reversive which means an undoing. In other words, we're saying that the star has a birthing and the star has an ending as in a, super, a supernova, when it all bursts apart just like the Big Bang. So from our connection to the stars, we talk about our connection to the sky world and in our tellings i don't like to call them stories because stories give the wrong impression i call it a telling because it's really an oral way of recording and uh, being in relationship with our history so i'm going to shorten this portion here because uh, Maybe we'll come back to it another day. But in we talk about this sky world that exists beyond the stars. And some even say that there's seven layers of stars. And I can't really quantify what that is, but it's a very long ways away. And in that sky world, there were people very similar to us, but they were all in a pure energy form. And in their world, um, when these two get married, uh, one's a chief who is a protector of the tree of life, and the woman who becomes known as Sky Woman, when they get married and she becomes pregnant, she has a craving like women do. And so she craved for the root of this tree of life. And the people in that world were told that this tree of life was all of their, the center of their existence. It provided their light, it provided their food, it provided all the necessi- the necessities that they needed, just like we depend on um, our earth to provide all the things that we need. And then of course, we rely on other things like stars and moon, and all of that, to, to balance it out. And this tree of life, they were said they were never to hurt this tree of life in any way. But she had a craving because she was pregnant. So she said to her husband, she said, uh, would you go? She says, and dig up that root. She said, I really must taste that root. It's my it's my real craving that I, that I Crave that root so against his best judgment he went and started digging a hole by this tree and he inadvertently created a hole and he looked through this hole and it frightened him because it was a hole in their universe where this tree stood and he had made that hole, so he, uh, he, he got scared and he didn't really know what to do. And he was there for, for some time. And meanwhile, his, his wife got impatient because uh, he hadn't come back with the, with the route that he said he was going to go get. So she goes and checks it out. And somehow she leans over and she goes through this hole. And in our telling, it says it was a great tunnel that she went through first. And so now when you look at other tellings that we have that talk about certain constellations in the sky world or the sky, however you you wanna talk about it as sky canopy, there are um, a number of stars And they say that on the other side of that uh, constellation is the place where there's a wormhole. And that sort of, to me, lines up with our sky story because according to uh, theorists and scientists, they say that anything that gets close to one of these wormholes will go through it. Um, And it's only for a split second that this is uh, has this force and and so you it's not like you can go back and forth you, once you go through it you're you've gone into another time and another space and the other interesting interesting thing about our language is we don't distinguish between time and space it's exactly the same <laughs> vocabulary so when you say, um, do you have time to speak to me? It would be the same thing as if you would use that same word to say, uh, do you have room for me to stay at? So that's the way you have to be paying attention to the conversation to know what the reference is. So Sky Woman, she in fact does in fact go through that apparition or whatever you call it of the uh, in the sky world she comes through that and here on earth um there wasn't we didn't have um anything like earth that we understand it now so what happened was we had birds here and we had waterfowl and water related animals and so the birds were the first one to notice that there was another being a spirit being coming from the sky world and they become, became afraid because they said if, if she lands here she's gonna she's gonna she's gonna get hurt So they got together and they made a quick conference and they said we'll, we'll help her out and they went up and they they gently guided her down and meanwhile here uh, while they were doing that, other animals got together and they said, who's going, who's, how, how, where are we gonna put her? And so we say it's the the great turtle that we we speak about. And we say that great turtle came to the surface, which in reality would have been um, a rock formation. But since we think of everything and we know of everything is alive, then that's why we give it the name of Turtle. And that's how you hear the terms Turtle Island. And so they, this Turtle came up and provided this surface that she could um, land upon and, and hopefully live. When she arrived here, of course, then there was um, the animals again, who uh, went out and they, helped her because she didn't have anything. When she came through that hole in, the, in, the, in her sky world, um, she was grabbing for all kinds of things to, to try and stop her fall. So she grabbed seeds and she grabbed strawberries and she grabbed tobacco and she grabbed a whole bunch of things and brought them with her. And she was holding them in her hand. And when she got to the back of the turtle, she had no place to plant these things. And so she was very um, worried of how she was going to survive. And so that's when the animals then helped her out. And they say it was the, uh, the least of all, the um, the muskrat, and that nobody thought I could do it because uh, a number of other animals had tried, and they, they couldn't, and they, it actually they were not able to get to the bottom of the ocean or the water to bring up any earth, and so she brought up the um, the muskrat brought up the earth, but had all also expired in in the doing so, and so when they when they brought the um, brought him up to the to turtle's back, and he was laying there, expired and he had had his fists clenched and she found that he had in fact brought up earth and, and she was so happy and it's kind of sad at the same time because he had lost, he had lost his life. Sky Woman <laughs> breathed her life into him so that he became alive. And so when you hear some of our stories, you'll you, if you look at them, in some stories, the muskrat lived, in some st- stories, the muskrat died. It's a long story from there, but basically, um, life grew from... Um, if if everyone has ever seen a turtle that's come out of water, it has sort of like a, a mossy um, surface on it, especially between the divisions in its back. And if we look at science again, we can see that when that moss dies, it provides fertilizer for a new kind of development. So this is the evolution until we get to the point where we see the trees and the grasses and the medicines and everything else that we see <laughs> in, in today's life. And that's how that all formed. I didn't tell you. <laughs> that uh, Sky Woman was pregnant when she when she came through. So we've got our first woman, um, a spirit being, and she's pregnant. And when she uh, has her baby, it's a it's a it's a girl. So now we have two women, uh, spirit women on Earth. And, and then the um, child grows up very quickly, and there are many tellings of how uh, she becomes pregnant. And the most common one is it's the west wind that brings her two arrows. And there's a long story about the courtship and her mother guiding her so that she doesn't choose the wrong one. And so the west wind that was chosen to be her mate. And he puts two arrows down on on her chest And that signifies that it's going to be twins. So one arrow is straight and sharp and the other one is dull and it's bent. And so as the pregnancy goes on, these two uh, twins um, were arguing even while they were in their mother's womb. And one says, "Well, he says I'm just going to come out any old way that I feel like coming out." And the other one say, "No, no, no, no. Just there's a there's a proper way to do this." Mother is built in a way for that to happen in a natural and a beautiful way. And so this is the argument that was going on with them in their mother's womb. When it came time to be born, um, again they were still arguing and. One says, well, I'm going to be first, and the other one says, wait, wait, wait a minute. That's, that's not the right way. He says, I'll go first, and he says, I'll show you how the proper way to, um, to come into this world. So he does, and he, um, he goes out, and he's born first. So his grandmother then takes him, and she starts wrapping him up. And while she's wrapping him up and tending to the, to the first child that's born, The second one is born, but he's, he's, he's an obstinate one. And it says the telling says that he came out from under her armpit. And in fact, kills his mom. When the grandmother turns back around, she finds that her daughter has um, passed away. And now she's got two, two twins to, to raise. And the one that was sort of mischievous, the one that was argumentative, he blames his brother, the one that came out first and who was thinking correctly. And so, um, grandmother gets so angry because she believes the lie uh, that uh, that the one told. And I'll give him. His name, we call him Skawiskara. And the other one is called Tarunghiwagung. So, Skawiskara, that means that he has a um, crystal like property. <clears throat> he's, he has sharp points, and it says he's got this crown <clears throat> right across the top of his head. Um, that's very, very sharp, and that's what he used when he was born and he's very shiny and he's very pretty and that's how his grandmother really loved him because he was so beautiful and, and the other one was 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 normal and his name was and that means holder of the heavens and so because grandmother uh, believed the shall we call him mischievous, mischievous one she then got mad at Taruhiwago, and she, it says, She took him, she threw him as far as she could possibly throw him out into the field. And she says, don't you ever come back here. She says, you're never coming back to the shelter. I'm not going to feed you. You're on your own. She says, I'm just so disgusted with you. No, on, no, on, on, no, on, on. no, no. She really hurt his feelings. And he was a young lad at, at, <clears throat> at the time. So basically, he didn't have much of a choice except to, go out and sort of fend for himself so in fact he does as he's going around he fashions himself a, a bow and an arrow and, and uh, so he's got to practice <clears throat> so he takes a shot with his arrow the arrow goes way off in the distance and I guess he didn't hit anything so now he's got to go get his arrows his arrow that he had shot and it says that when he went out, he thought that it had gone into water. But it's probably a, more, a mirage that he saw because when he um, got to close closer to, to the arrow, he noticed that it was a, a flat bed. It was probably a dried out swamp or <clears throat> dried out um, lake or something like that. And as he's going down there, he, um, he comes across this house and... This stranger is approaching him. So he's kind of looking and said, that's kind of unusual, he didn't expect that. And the stranger walks right up to him and he says, I know you, he says, your name is And He says, I know your mother and I know your brother and I know exactly what they did. And he gives him this long teaching about um, that he needs to be forgiving because he explains to him that his grandmother was believing a lie, and that wasn't that wasn't correct. But he gives him all of this um, teachings about how to get over that and how to how to be how to be living, knowing that they're the only beings here. So when they depart, um, the stranger gives him another beautiful, the most accurate bow ever and he also gives him uh, some sweet corn seeds and he tells him how to how to prepare that because he's going to need that for his ongoing shall we say loneliness in 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 the world that's his early beginnings and then as him and his brother grow up there's more to the story but as him and his brother grow up, they're, they're always at kind of rivals. And so they 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 go about, and when Tarong Hiwagol, um is going around, and he's assisting with um, Mother Nature as as she's growing new trees, and he's introducing different flowers and different medicines, and on and on, different kinds of trees and different kinds of animals. And his brother, he's going along there, and he's... Uh, He's trying to do whatever that he can to sort of uh, have his finger in it. He'd come along. If uh, Tanohiwaga made uh, roses, he would come along. He would put the thorns on it. And if uh, Tanohiwaga made some some beautiful flowing rivers, it said he'd make this river, and the river would be flowing in both directions at the same time, so that you could go upstream or you could go downstream, and you wouldn't have to hardly do any paddling, and things like that. And his 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 brother Skawiska, uh, he'd come around, and he'd he'd be throwing stones in there to create rapids, and then <clears throat> making falls, and it's just like it went on and on, and it just too much to that part of the story but eventually they get to the point where everything is is made and so Taranjiwagga then goes out and he um, he inspects the world and he's looking at all this this wondrous all the animals and all the fishes in, in the waters and the deer running around and all moose and all, all kinds of beautiful birds and, and beautiful animals. And then he thinks that now it's time to place man here. So what he does is he goes out and he picks up clay and he fashions it in the shape of a human being. And he says, now I will give my breath. And it says, Asa Gayante again." So he breathes into this clay doll three times and it becomes alive. And so the clay represents the matter and the breath is in fact our breath. It's our life. And so remember earlier on in the telling I was telling you about the word ogisto, and Ojisto meant the star. Well, what he gave man, he gave them he gave them several things. But he the main thing that he gave them when he gave them breath is he gave them what's called gadzista. Listen how similar that sounds to Ozisto Odisto Godzista Ozisto Godzista. Remember what I said about the O is natural? So that's for the star Ozisto and Godzista, the Ka now is what it means because it's been modified or it's been created from something natural. What's natural? The star. So, the flame of life, this is what we refer to as the flame of life. We were given the flame of life. Ga means it was created from something natural. And also given strength and instructions as how to live. I'm going to now take you back to the part in the story where I said We were given these gifts and these gifts, the first one that was received was from Taruhiwaga when he met the stranger and he gave him a bow and an arrow, a beautiful bow and an arrow. And that word is aana. So there'll be a number of these words that I'm going to tell you about what these original gifts were. So aana means it's a bow. And the other gifts, the next one is owana, sounds like a'ana a little bit. And owana is our language. And the other gift that we were given is Gardana, That sounds a little bit like owana and a'ana. Gardana means it's our song. So then he gives them something else that's precious. That's Gasana. And again, you can hear that Gasana, gardana, Owana, Aana all sound really, really close. Because Gasana now means that's your name. And after all of this, then he gives us Skana. And Skana, again, sounds like all of those other words, doesn't it? Gana then means peace. So these are all the gifts that were given to man. And so, when we use our language and we talk about other things, we are also given another thing, which is called Atokatsara. I'll explain that word. The AT on that is a reflexive feature, which is reflective to the pronoun in the verb. In this case, it's how it's existing. So that reflexive feature always brings the action back to that, to that point. And the next part of the word is "dukkha," which then has to do we say "gut dogut." so I feel something. I sense something so we have all of our senses our feelings um, both physical and non-physical some call them six senses if we look at our hands and our fingers we say that we have these five physical senses and we have five invisible senses which match the physical ones they go together the rest of the word, it also has an, um, an aspirate, which is apathetic. It's just there to make the word sound nice. And the other one is a, a tsher, is a nominalizer, which again makes all of this atdokhatsura noun. And the A at the end is the vowel and tells us how it exists. Atdokhatsura means wisdom. So that's the first part of how we are totally related to the sky world.
0: I'd just like to read something from Anthony F. Avani from his book Ancient Astronomers. We live in an ordered world of observable natural phenomena whose constancy and consistency are typified by events in the sky. Whether the event be a sunset, a close encounter between two planetary wanderers, an eclipse, or a shower of shooting stars. Nowhere else in nature, not in the comings and goings of the birds, The blooming of trees, nor the arrival of the rains, do we find a more reliable environmental reality in which to frame the drama of life than the celestial backdrop. I just want to say Yahweh to you, Deahande, for being here and sharing so much of indigenous knowledge with us. That was. That was a lot of Indigenous knowledge <laughs> that you shared, and, and it was knowledge that we all need to know. It was so important um, from, from the way we look at the sky world to, to the way that we were um, given the creation story, to the way that um, our original instructions were laid out for us. It's all in your, in your words in this episode, and I just want to say, Nyawe to Dehahande. Yahweh for listening to the Yohate Negasuna Road to Your Name podcast, which has been produced by Aboriginal Legal Services and hosted by me, Lisa Van Every. There are 10 episodes in this podcast series. Let's meet again on the next episode. This has been the Yohate Negasuna podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our website, www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word donate located on the bottom of the page of our website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services Toronto, Canada.